0: this episode of So What Do You Do, where we interview people in different jobs to see what other ways there are to make money. We're your hosts, Jen Staben, that's me, and Joyce. Hi.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Hello. hello. This is our first time recording this, so mm-hmm. this is our formal hello to you all. Hello, audience. We're glad you decided to drop by. Yeah. And I'm, I, I like, if someone's listening to this, I'm dang curious what made them want to listen, but I guess we can, you know, ask them that later. But <laughs> um, but right now what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about why we, or what the podcast is and why we decided to do it. So mm-hmm. um, just like a quick like overview, what this podcast is, is we um, interview people that have different job titles doing different types of work. And we spend some good quality time with them, finding out about what the day is like, how they got there, what are the things that they do. Really just better understand what working in a job like that would be like. That's right. Yeah. Well, and uh, Jen and I met
1: at work and Mm -hmm. um, at our last company. And when we quit, we both quit during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. uh, we were thinking about what do we want to do next? And I think that that Created a lot of questions for us and a curiosity is in terms of what other jobs actually entail. And I think that that was one of the biggest motivations for me to kind of just understand um, like what what people actually do, because you'll you'll hear certain jobs and you'll just kind of assume certain stereotypes or things that you've seen on TV. Um, and so I think that digging into that has always been uh, like something that I've wanted to do. Um,
0: what about you, Jen? Yeah, I, I think for me it was more of an existential crisis um, <laughs> that so yeah, we quit and for a while, my well, my background has been for probably the last like 15 years has been in customer experience and like customer mm-hmm. support at startups. And my dream was I wanted to create a customer experience team from scratch, just kind of mm-hmm. like learning from all the other teams that I was at. And then you know, I did that. In New York, and I came to LA, and I restructured a support team, and you know worked in uh, in a really difficult marketplace for customer Mm -hmm. experience. And after quitting, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm, and it was just one of those. I had been like, this is my thing. I'm really good at this. Mm -hmm. Um, and really weighing all of the different components of it, like, you know, uh, company culture, being responsible for people, Mm -hmm. being responsible for business. I just, I, I, yeah, I, I had a true existential crisis, um, following it. And so that's, yeah, for me, I'm like, I want to know more about this, uh, these other career types. Like I, I, um, I've been writing more and it's Mm -hmm, like, what mm -hmm. is, an actual working writer do every right. single day because it's really hard for me to sometimes motivate and stay on top of things and yeah. you know is that you know a deal breaker for being a writer I don't know that's why we'll eventually interview a writer absolutely
1: yeah and like I, like I I love that you call it existential crisis because I think it's very much so and I think that when I was younger I thought of existential crises as Something that happens only once in your life, or like something that, like you know, where where you question everything and then you figure it out and then you move on, kind of thing. And then you're good. Yeah, (laughs) and then it never happens. Yeah, it never happens ever again. Um, Lo and behold, uh, boys and girls, it (laughs) it happens multiple (laughs) times in your life because I was actually feeling like this this pause, this moment of reflection, and what do I want to do next is very similar to how I felt coming out of college or Mm. even going into college because. I think that that was the first time when people were like, well, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want? And it was like, ah, I don't have anything figured out. I was just told to get good grades, you know? (laughs) So like, I think that when I went to college and I saw people who had such conviction at such a young age, like there were people who were like, I want to be a doctor and I will commit the next 10 years of my life to education and then practicing um, medicine. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how do you even know that? Like, like by that point I hadn't even, like, I didn't even know how, like what my favorite cocktail was or, you know, you know what I mean? Like there was so much stuff, the important stuff. That's right. Like which frat parties do you want to go to? Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it's such an insane leap of faith that we ask the youth today to take and such an expensive one
2: Oh, to really yeah. decide what you're
0: going to do for the rest of your life. And so many people I feel like don't go through that um, and to end up in the career that they went into college with. And, yes. um, and I, so I didn't really go to college. I kind of went to a junior college for a bit mm-hmm,
1: and, mm-hmm. and I was,
0: um, I was before I did all of what I, uh, what I've more recently done I used to be a school portrait photographer. And I was mm-hmm, like, I'm going to do this for my life. And that's why I backed out of school because I was like, "Yeah, I'll go back to school if there's a job I really want to do, and I know I have to go through that process right. to be able to do it." Um, and that bridge I've never had to cross just yet. But I, I'm very, um, I'm very whimsical about college. Like I don't even think about you know, you know, the parties and whatnot. I'm just like, oh, it's just so nice to go to a library and study. And it's like. <laughs> I would never, I would never, I would never have the focus to do that. But I think that's
1: fascinating though, because like, I feel like most people don't have that perspective, like to to actually question like, okay, why am I doing this? Hmm. You know, like, because like you said, it is so expensive and you are committing a lot, um, especially if you're like taking out a loan, right? Um, And so like, that's so fascinating that like you, well, also as a shitty time. student.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Blessing in disguise, right? <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. So I um but yeah, no, it's uh it's tricky. I, I just but you're right, I hadn't thought about that, but I do think we all go through several existential crises. Maybe they just don't go by that by name, but right. But yeah, like every time every time people like like even in college.
1: I felt like so many people were like, well, you know, most people who graduate with the, this degree, like they go on to do different things. And I was like, okay, then why are we here? You know? <laughs> like, like, shouldn't we kind of reevaluate this? And like, like, should we maybe have some way of trying to figure out what it is that we enjoy and want to spend the rest of our lives doing or the rest of our next 10 years before the next ex- existential crisis doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, I, and I think that that's part right. of like, why I got so excited about this podcast is because like when I was graduating from high school, the only two jobs I really understood were like what teachers do, like what, what Mm. school faculty members do and like what my parents do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't like a shining like moment of, Oh yes, I want to be a teacher. Oh yes. I want to be doing what my parents are doing. And so I think something like this would have been incredibly helpful. just like, not like Googling, you know articles on like the Wikipedia definition of what this career entails, but like yeah. talking to people who've actually done it and like getting down to the nitty gritty of like what's what's the fun parts? Why are you doing this? Like do you like what's the work life balance like? And do you hate your job? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but we ask that after we're done recording because uh, we need to protect everyone's that's uh, true current jobs. Um, <laughs> so I feel. I I know you might not be hearing it, but I feel like the leaf blower in the background is certainly getting picked up. So in the event that it is on my side, um, I realize that's a pretty uh, uh, noob mistake to make on a podcast. (laughs) But um, let's just consider it it charming and Mm -hmm. move on. Um, We we
1: are very much noobs to this. So this
0: this is the full experience. Well, on that note, I feel like we should get to our first guest. Yes. Full disclosure, this guest is my husband, so <laughs> I will either pretend to act like I don't know, or I'm gonna really ask those hard-hitting questions. Uh, but I'd like to bring on to Fun Employment, Prescott Gad. Woo!
2: Yay. Hi, hi everyone.
0: Hi. <laughs> Do you have any, uh, any, a- any statements you wanna make before we start asking you about your job?
2: Yes, I'd like to declare what I do, and what I do is I write and produce uh, immersive and interactive theater. So we're talking anything from like an escape room to a scavenger hunt to maybe like a, a an interactive play, and kind of everything that goes in between those three things.
0: So I mean, the I think the question that is probably going to come up first, and it will do so by being the first question I ask, is uh, how did you decide that this was the career path you wanted to take?
2: Gosh, you know, it was a combination of I've always liked games, and I thought I wanted to get into TV, Hmm. and um, along that path of, oh, will I act, will I write for TV? I took up uh, comedic improv in Chicago, which Jen does a lot of, and it's great at. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Improv um, is used almost exclusively for comedy. So uh, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to use improv for other types of things. Uh, And so... You can do a show, an interactive show, where instead of the actors' trying to make you laugh, maybe they're one's trying to make you laugh, but in the next room you walk into one is super scary, or one is like flirting with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, from there it's like, oh, th- there's so much fun that could be had, and like so many stories that could be told in like new and exciting ways. And also, it felt like a way less competitive industry. So I was like, "Oh, I could actually make an impact here in a way where, like, me submitting my spec scripts to Malcolm in the Middle wouldn't."
1: Wait, it's the 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 immersive theater industry is less competitive than the TV industry, or was it the comedy industry is less competitive than? The oh
2: yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, both both TV and all types of comedy. I mean, they're all just, they've been around since like, comedy has been around for what thousands of years. Uh, So it's like saturated. So everyone knows what it should be and everyone is trying to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I I think I'm pretty good, but at best I could, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I made it through the door and I, I have a job. Whereas I feel like I had new ideas that hadn't been done before for, kind of immersive, interactive kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, this is a perfect fit. Like, it's me trying to do this, you know, with like a, a worldwide population of like, what, 5,000 people versus like the millions trying to get into Hollywood and all that kind of thing.
1: That's so cool. You like found something new and it, it's just, it's really interesting because I actually didn't know much about immersive theater until um escape rooms became like a really big thing and i think it was that was kind of like a more recent thing for me especially cuz it was like meant as like a team building kind of activity for a lot of companies um but be- like how did you get into immersive theater even before that cuz i think the this boom it, of uh the the escape rooms was actually more recent
2: yes it is so it, it was in chicago in around 2009 i think 2010 um and uh i had not heard of the words immersive theater or escape room at that time i'm sure they definitely existed but um i came up with this idea for an i called it a uh interactive haunted house oh. um and I was like, yeah, I'll make an interactive haunted house. And you have to like solve clues to get through from room to room. And like, and then I'd say a, before we opened, I heard about the first escape room I'd ever heard of. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And I, I went to it. I was like, oh, this is much easier. You know, you just have one person that makes sure you don't break anything and so you, you know, solve puzzles. And and back then it wasn't as Uh, It wasn't as like fully developed a concept as it is now. I mean, now you can find really interesting escape rooms with actors and actual true themes, Mm -hmm. not just like you're, you're solving random puzzles to get out of a a room. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I am. I had seen Gen Zers love this movie. What women want. Am I right?
0: (laughs) Brandon, is that true?
2: Uh, I have not. (laughs) So, So Brandon, the, the concept for this movie was Mel Gibson, pre-canceled Mel Gibson, got the ability to um, read all women's minds. And it's like a romantic comedy. Probably hasn't aged well. But I was like, oh, that'd be a really interesting experience to read people's minds. So I came up with this interactive haunted house where in, you, you go room to room. And in each room, there's one actor you can see, and then there's one actor you can't see whispering into a microphone the inner monologue of the actor you can see.
1: Oh, wow. So,
2: and the actor, you know, in quotes, doesn't know you're reading their mind. Right. So then you're really, it feels very powerful because they can lie to you and you know they're lying to you and you can manipulate them and then use their thoughts to basically advance to the next room. It, so that I,
0: it was such a good freaking show. I wait, can I w- would you be opposed to me bringing up any of the specific rooms? I don't know if you're going to relaunch please, it and I don't want to like ruin it.
2: Please, please, Jen.
0: Okay, so one of my favorite rooms cuz I would go through it as a tester. So you get used to it and when you first walk into the experience there's this dumb guy who's like, I'm the security guard and you need to have the password to get through. And the per- the improviser that's doing their inner monologue is like, they'll never guess it's on my hand. Oh. And so it, like it kind of introduces you to the concept, but a couple of rooms later, you get shoved into this room and this guy comes at you with like a potato peeler and he's like I'm gonna kill you if you're a mind reader. So I need to prove that you're not a mind reader. So you know, finish this sentence. There once was a little, and then the the mind, uh, the like the inner monologue is like, little girl, little girl, little girl, like trying to make you only say what their mind is saying to make it, uh, like make it the proof that you're a mind reader. Right. So in that room, you have to actually change what you're doing and uh and actually say the opposite of that. And I just. I Prescott brings me to uh, to interactive escapes, and I'm I'm probably I'm a little bit of a snob with them because I just don't <laughs> like anything that makes makes it feel like it's just like for Instagram or it, you don't feel like you're a part of it. And I just I absolutely love that part of this uh, of that show. That is
1: so cool. It sounds so creative.
2: Yeah, it's really fun, and and the the best parts is once you're you're fully rehearsed as a cast and you can um you can play test it and you cut you try and come up with like okay i'm gonna be like the you know the drunk person that is like really outgoing and see how they interact or i'm gonna be the gamer that's trying to break the game or Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be like the sullen boyfriend that was dragged here and giving you the silent treatment (laughs) And putting the actors through that and seeing like what interesting things we discover. So fun. But then once you open and actual audience members are playing, they always surprise you. And it's just a delight to like either witness it or usually you, the actor like, you know, fills you in afterwards and it's it's just people come up with things we never thought they would do. And uh, some of the times it's like annoying what they thought to do, but Uh other times it's like really exciting. And you're like, Oh, humans are very smart and creative. <laughs> um, Jen was giving the example of like the dumb guard. And uh, at the beginning, you know, it's like, don't, don't um, ever guess it's on, it's written on my hand, you know. And so, it's, you know, we had one uh, audience member who somehow got the guard to admit that he loves uh, porn. And uh-huh. then they promised they would like, um, send him a list of like websites that he would love and in exchange for that he was he he like the actor made the choice like I believe my character would give them the code at this point oh
1: my gosh (laughs) that is amazing and did you guys like um adjust based off of like how different like different audience members like interacted with the whole thing or was it just like stick to the script
2: Oh, you no, yeah, we, we, um we, we basically, I pretty much always give everyone an outline with maybe some specific lines they definitely need to say. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it's just so much more fun when they improvise a like genuine moment with someone. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, the, the tricky thing is, and we, I learned from that from this show, because this is like my first real one, which is. You need to have like timers so that the the actor knows, like, okay, I need to wrap up and move them on. Uh-huh. Because what what we would run into was people, some actors would vamp for way too long. So then, in each room prior, those actors would have to vamp because you know that it's it, 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 we, there wasn't the signal to allow them to progress to the next room yet because. Right it was still full of people. So yeah, it's tricky to jump between like, what's really fun versus what is uh, efficient with everyone's time.
0: Now, I have to ask, um, how do I mean, how do you make a career of this? Because I, you know, you know, we kind of we come from the same cloth, which are like creatives. And, and that's always the hardest part, I think, is to make that jump into doing this as a full-time endeavor. So, you know, what, what has your experience been with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, you gotta consider, um, you know, like in my dream world, I think I would just make my, my babies and, and put them up as little masterpieces. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it, it helps to kind of have one thing feed off the other so i could make something like the the show is called mind reader so i could do something like mind reader not terribly profitable because you have such a high um actor to audience ratio you know it's basically two to one so that you know whereas a traditional theater it's more like uh one to to 50 right like there's probably like two actors for a 100 person crowd or something like that Mm -hmm. um so but but you can do that and you can draw people in and then someone's like oh man that was fun maybe these guys do you know something for my company christmas party or whatever and you know so then we you you do like scavenger hunts and that kind of thing to kind of uh uh feed the meter uh in between kind of the big productions
0: to to kind of fall on that. And I don't know if this is gauche uh, to ask, but I guess we're talking about careers is like, what is that balance that you strike or like, how do you think about it with the, the money-making side of it? Because, you know, like you said, it, it can be really logistically challenging to do the masterpieces. So, um, you know, even if you are doing the kind of the money-making endeavors, like how do you even get started with that? How do you start making money by doing something along those lines or even with your masterpieces like what would you say to anyone thinking about doing something similar
2: oh how do you start making money yeah Mm, gosh I mean I think it, it it would seem wild to me to start cold just making immersive theater right without like maybe getting a job as an actor or a Mm. producer on one. So I guess I would definitely start there and then get to know uh, people and have kind of a network so that when you do start one, you know, like like any theater show, man, it's tough to break even. I would imagine anyone's first couple of shows would be more a proof of concept kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that was um kind of like where I was gonna go too. Is is like how do you find these opportunities? Like, is it you? Someone reaches out to you for like a possible collaboration, um, or like y- you know co- approaches you, or like do you have to like do marketing and like get people to like come to this haunted house and like what's that balance of like getting clients for or even audience members for this
2: kind of stuff? Yeah, well, you know, audience members, that's not too hard. There's just so many sites, like Eventbrite, you know, is the big uh, one,
1: uh-huh.
2: where if you just price it correctly and have a great picture, and, you know, it has a good, exciting description, you'll you'll sell a few tickets on there, and then you can build Steam from there. Um, in terms of... Yeah, like how these things start, I've definitely been approached, I've been approached by theaters, like, hey, we're doing a fundraiser, you can use our space, you know, and we'll split the money, that kind of thing. Um, I've had fellow creatives reach out, or I've reached out to them being like, you know, you're good at this, I'm good at this, let's make something uh, good. Um, I always... I had a great collaboration with my friend who kind of, he, he he kind of likes to write movies and TV shows where I'm always just thinking of what the most fun experience is. So I'll be like, okay, so then the Ainz member will have to crack open the safe to, you know, get the uh, antidote to the poison they drank earlier or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, and my friend was like, Oh, that, that's not realistic. I don't buy it. And then it's like, oh, I don't, I don't care. It's fun. Right. Huh. Um, but then, you know, we will, we'll spend 30 minutes on it and then we'll get to a place where we're doing the fun thing, but it's believable. And like, that's, that's a nice sweet spot. And that's something I always need someone else to help me with getting there.
1: Mm. So then like, what's your, like, what's your process for coming up with this? Cause it sounds like, like, I mean, like, Correct me if I'm wrong. And I don't know the whole industry lingo, but like, it almost feels like a script where you're writing out like different, different lines, different kind of like, um, story arcs and things like that. Um, so do you, it sounds like you like to be collaborative, but like, is there like research involved? Like, how do you like, how do you start and like, what's your process for coming up with like a single show?
2: Yeah, yeah. So if I'm going cold turkey, it's like, what's that nugget of an interesting thing that excites me? J- Jen and I were joking about this, but um, like the board game "Don't Wake Daddy" sounds like such a good escape room. Oh my god! Where like you know, I mean, you can imagine already, right? Like there's some six six actor like with a beard snoring in bed and you're sneaking around the room like with there's like Legos on the floor and you're trying to like you know figure out how you uh, I was trying to think like like you know fake his signature on your report card and then like sneak out of the (laughs) room you know it's like oh that's such a fun idea all right Mm -hmm. obviously that's the basis and then from there you think of gameplay moments you think of um story you know how story would interact with that Mm -hmm. and then i always think of i try and think of movie moments so i'll think of like Uh. movies i love something that's really exciting or interesting that's happening to a character and being like oh how could i recreate that that would be so cool um i'm trying to think of an example um I, i well okay so in minority report uh tom cruise he keeps flashing. He has these like flashbacks, flash forwards to this vision of a man wearing these weird goggles. Um, at, at the moment that he kills another person, and so he's seeing that he's having these premonitions throughout the movie. And you're like, oh, what? Why would he ever kill someone? Like he's he's the good guy. He wouldn't do that. And then at the very end of the movie, like as it's you know reaching the climax, he's uh, climbing this skyscraper and he sees um, a billboard in the background and it's of the guy with the glasses. So it was just like, you know, a model for selling sunglasses or something, mm-hmm. but it's a chilling moment where it's like this thing I keep, I kept seeing, I didn't know what it meant. It I just saw it for real and things are about to go down. And th- that was like a really chilling, exciting moment. And so I, I I tried to recreate that, like for um, Jen played this game of uh, uh, Find the MacGuffin, oh my uh, God.
0: My and,
2: and I, I basically <laughs> I had hidden something in a iconic building in Chicago and uh, the uh, Google um, satellite view looking above that building, I took that image. Um, which is pretty distinctive. And I uh-huh. made it into a watermark and I put it on every clue.
0: Every picture and so it, Oh. Yeah. Because there was, there was word clues, right? I'm just trying to remember.
2: Um, I What's mean, that? I don't know, but the, yeah. uh, all That's the stupid. clues that I handed out had that watermark on it. Um, and so oh. it, it was like this kind of distinctive little squiggle thing. What does that mean? But it happened to Jen. It happened to a few other players where... They're like, they know roughly where they should be looking. And so some of them thought, oh, I'll look on, you know, on Google Maps satellite view. And then all of a sudden there was that distinctive shape they had been seeing for the past week. And so, you know, do you get that chills moment where oh it's
0: like, God. oh! I, I, I still... Like, cannot get over that moment when that happens. So, like, just to give you guys the background on MacGuffin, it's teams of four. There's a medic, there's a scientist, and there's two assassins. And each team gets clues. And if an assassin kills another um, team, like someone on another team that's an assassin, they get one of their clues. And you get them uh, to be killed by having them say the kill word. Uh And if you kill their scientist, you get all of the team's clues. But if you kill their medic and the medic says the kill word, it actually bounces back to you and you have to get to your own medic before midnight. Oh my gosh. And this was, uh, I I think it went on for like a week and a half or two weeks. And I, like everyone was trying to get each other out. Like a lot of us were working at Groupon and we were, um, there's this thing in, zendesk called macros and the way macros work is it will like do like little inserts so it'll say like it'll pull the first name from the email address so a lot of us were playing macguffin at groupon and so we were sending customer emails with the first name being the kill word and we're making up fake email addresses and then we're assigning that ticket to someone else just so they use a macro that auto populates the kill word and then we're like yeah out but um I I straight up left my job in the middle of the day. I should have been fired because I'm looking at these clues and all of a sudden I'm like, it's the Harold Washington library. That's where it is. So just to be clear, the the thing we were trying to find was a book in the Harold mm-hmm. Washington library and all of the clues pointed you to where you actually found the book. And when you opened up the book, there was a hollowed out book in the Harold Washington public library which was the thing that you were trying to find? Oh my it God. was the most just incredible. When we found my team found it, brag, brag, brag. But hate to everyone else that couldn't catch <laughs> us. Um, but um, uh-huh. but like one other guy, like when he was searching Harold Washington Library, like Prescott, didn't he find like someone's like life manifesto or like something crazy?
2: Yeah, he, he, it was a guy's um, like his most prized possessions and his uh, last will and testament. We're Whoa. like, and, Whoa. yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of a gameplay over story type of <laughs> experience for sure.
0: Wow, <laughs> it was super I mean, fun
3: though. Stupid elaborate, yeah. I mean, how <laughs> did you said you left it at the library, right the the book that's hollowed out?
2: Yeah, so I um I looked at you know libraries don't they don't still use the Dewey Decimal System? Like each library often uses its own system. So I just, I, I chose the book. I, I had just a book I, you know, that I owned and I, I looked up where in the library it would be if it actually belonged to the library. And then I copied, you know, I took pictures of the, uh, you know, all on the spines of library books, they all have the same kind of, there's like a code, you know, that on how you tell it belongs there. And so I just, replicated that with its own code and put it in there and hopes that no one tried to check it out or anything and <laughs> it, it lasted the week of the gameplay so that crazy. that was a relief for sure
3: this
1: is so, so wild it's like someone like, did check it out if someone <laughs> didn't check it out it, it well
3: tough. if someone no but if someone did check it out
2: so
3: they would
1: would be.
2: But they they wouldn't check it out, right? They would open it, yeah. and be like, "This is <laughs> not I'm a book." Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. fair, fair. But wait, wait, that's guys- kind of cool too. Like, imagine if you checked out a book and you open it when you got home, and there's just like some kind of scroll. I, I think I'm just giving the uh, the plot to National Treasure or something like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: That that- okay. So, like, I I remember um, that movie. Uh, no, the book. Da Vinci Code. Also a movie. Also a movie. Also a movie, but originally a book. But it makes me think of that. Like when I first read that book, I was like, holy shit. This is like, (laughs) it's like such a puzzle. And like you get like pulled in and it's like really creative. And it makes me think of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, wouldn't you love to be that guy, like, <laughs> just getting into trouble in Europe, discovering exciting things, and then running to the next clue while an albino um, chases you? <laughs> that's right. Oh, my goodness. Well, then, so,
1: so you said you, like, grew up just liking games. What kind of games, like, fostered this sort of creativity and this, like, puzzle solving um side of you.
2: Oh, good question. <laughs> um God, what well, I mean, I love just all board games growing up. I definitely couldn't get enough of them. Uh-huh. Um so I guess it was more like that style stuff kind of first nurtured that that interest.
1: Um any standouts like any like like specific ones that you remember particularly liking?
2: God, um, you know, my, my parents raised me on all these British board games. Oh. So like, have you heard of Jenga? Yeah. So we like, this is, we had a uh, timber. So you would yell timber, like you were felling a tree. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. That was the British version of Jenga.
1: That makes so much <laughs> more sense than Jenga. Like, what? Yeah, it does. You <laughs> do? <laughs> falling down, Yeah.
2: Oh, but that, that does remind me, Joyce. I th- what the the turning point for me was um, in high school. I don't know why, but me and a friend, Jordan, Jen, Jen mm-hmm. who knows Jordan, yes, we, we just. I don't know why we did Michael this, Jordan, but we, for anyone, that was really <laughs> that's where, he's that's
0: being, where my He's mind being went. really casual, yeah. but it's Michael <laughs> Jordan. Chicago, you know, uh,
2: technically Prescott it
0: was in LA, but Michael Jordan was famous. Anyways, <laughs> Michael Jordan and you were making
2: kids. Yeah. So he, uh, he, you know, he was taking a break from the bulls and we were like, <laughs> let's have some fun. And, and we, we made this scavenger hunt that went all over the city. And we, we, part of the game was earning money. So like we confiscated everyone's wallets. So they had to like earn cash to be able to take the bus to like the next challenge for one of them. And It was this full day thing. We, we, we gave them lunches. We, I mean, I love libraries. They had to find a specific book in a library and our friend who eventually went to Harvard while everyone was digging through the library, he ate his lunch while calling the library. And he had the librarian do all the work for him. <laughs> 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 and
0: that guy is Elon Musk. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, oh, Harvard, yes. <laughs> I don't know where Elon Musk went. No, this guy's awesome.
2: <laughs> but, but you know, we, we you know, it was high school. So you could ask more of people. Like, they had to pick up dog poo. They had to steal bread from a restaurant known for its bread rolls. They had oh to jump God. in a pool, um, but uh, you know, at, at the end, I was like, "Man, I wish this could be my job." Uh... And I, and me and me and jo- Michael Jordan were like, <laughs> "No, it. This is like, there's no way you could. This could be a job." So I closed that book, and I didn't think about it again. That was like, oh, that was oh two or oh three, yeah. Yeah. and i didn't think about it again until yeah 2010 or so that's i was so... Muse,
0: that's when he met me
2: <laughs> oh yeah that's yeah, when yeah, i met jen yeah
0: you initiated <laughs> this this yeah brilliance in this the man. artist in him. I, I i'm sorry i don't mean to insert <laughs> myself in the story but <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no but sure. it, it, it was truly depressing being like Oh, I find like everyone always asks you in high school, like, Oh, what do you want to major in? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was, I was like, I didn't want to really do anything. Maybe write for TV. I was like, Oh, I want to do this. And, but I was like, Oh, but this isn't a job. And so it was really exciting as I slowly realized it could be a job technically.
0: That is (laughs) so cool. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: Sorry, Brandon, were you going to say something?
3: No, I mean, it's just, I just think it's crazy that you, Essentially, what, what is it? Mm, robbed your friends for a day and made them commit crimes.
2: <laughs> 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 I
3: mean, like, you, you know, I, with, without context, of course, this sounds bad. But I mean, well,
2: well, the bread rolls are are complimentary, okay, you know, right. depending on the situation. <laughs> so like the first people that arrived at that restaurant got them no problem for free. But that restaurant got a little annoyed by the <laughs> third team
0: <laughs> now yeah. in, in terms of career um well like who would you say well actually no 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 wait, i'm sorry i'm gonna step back because i'm seeing other questions what is like a day in your life like or maybe a week is a better uh time frame but like what is a day or a week like for you doing this type of career
1: yeah, do you just like like watch a bunch of cool movies as inspiration <laughs> and research for the sake of your career?
2: <laughs> I, you, not, I don't. I usually just draw from my memory for that. And, and I, when I am watching a movie, if I see like a movie moment, I'll write it down so that mm. it's in my list of what would be cool to do or experience. Um, but uh, I would say it's pretty boring in between shows because I'm just kind of writing, kind of trying to figure it out. Um, so I'll cut to more like the leading up to a show, like in the the th- four weeks prior, because that that's when, you know, we're in a given day, you're um, holding auditions for actors. Um, you're uh-huh. then, you know, rehearsing with them while getting promotional shots, because you need those ASAP so that you can... Start advertising and creating buzz early. Um, you're um, you're play testing. You're realizing this. These this prop you bought breaks easily, so you need a different one, or you need ten of them that you just hot swap throughout the show. Um, I what else is there? God, it's just so. It's I mean, you know, it's like that it's just, it's like the elves leading up to Christmas, you know, it's just like (laughs) nonstop work and that's opening night. And then that's scary and fun and very tiring. And and what's a bummer is, you know, unlike a play, you pretty much could just pat yourselves on the back and give a couple notes after opening night, but you really learn a lot opening night because that's when the real guests make really break your show so then it's back to just um coming up with solutions to fix problems for the next night and like oh this was super boring so let's cut this and just have a slightly shorter show or or that kind of thing
0: and who do you think would do well in following a career type like this
2: well i mean so what my my role is what i'm like the writer producer but you know it's so many people contribute to this like obviously act like improvisational actors but um you know you need like set design and props and um you need uh art design um and uh, like you need a good uh like stagehand, you know, kind of producer type. So I, it it can draw in all types of people. But I guess if you're talking like my specific role, um, who would want to do this? I mean, people that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just like to recreate exciting moments for others. So I guess anyone that's drawn to entertainment, you know, that likes to... Draw a laugh or a, a scream out of a, a, an audience. Uh, I'd say any of them would would be pretty happy doing this. Though some of them might have their eye on on the silver screen, if you will, and is while this, they're doing this.
1: Is this like like um, are there like investors for stuff like this?
2: God, yeah. I mean, for the really big ones, I've never hit that level. Um. Um, I mean, I know, I know. Escape room, you know, uh, like savants who, like Verizon, will hit them up and be like, "We want to do a just a one weekend escape room to promote our new service plan, mm-hmm. and pay that person a bunch of money to come up with a nice, simple, not too hard escape room." Um, so yeah, you you could get that that big exciting. Um, medici level investment yeah,
1: um, yeah
2: but but otherwise you know you can rely on um like kickstarter type programs um pre you know basically pre-sales for eventual tickets
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah um, did you
0: say midi-ian or midi what did you say midi Ichi? Uh,
2: oh oh uh medici like um you know a a a rich patron of the arts yeah uh, does everyone from-
0: know this Term. This
3: is the first term I'm hearing about it. So Gen oh, Z it? does
1: not me, know this. Me and Gen Z, <laughs> we don't know just,
0: this. I align myself with Gen Z as much as possible. Okay. It's it's okay. I, got, I got a, I got a press
2: <laughs> Well, back back in back in uh, Italy, you know, during the Renaissance, um, it was like a badge of honor for a rich family like the Medici's to pay for a starving artist like Michelangelo to paint something awesome or make a sculpture. So that was like the heyday of just rich people um, paying for public works of art.
3: So it was originally like a family. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like several rich families, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As opposed to and which I thought was said, which is uh, famously Adrian Gunier in Entourage played, uh, the lead character in uh Midian uh and uh, do, uh does anyone want to stop me?
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, uh, is this a Gen don't... Z you no, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I have a question though. Um Prescott, so what does the future look like for this? Like is the is the goal to like hopefully continue to do like this level of scale like shows on a constant basis or is it like even Is it like a production company kind of thing? Or like, what does the future look like for this kind of role?
2: Oh, gosh. I mean, well, first of all, it's getting more and more mainstream. So I could, it would be great to someday, like, have a full-time job making these. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's within the next 10 years or so. Uh, Already, you could, you can be like an imagineer and do Uh, uh, you know pretty similar stuff to this Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's all the usually the more well-funded it is the more well-funded it is the less interactive it is because you need to pump crowds through it quickly so Mm -hmm. give them an experience make it feel interactive but really you know like jen was saying it's an instagram moment or that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but hopefully as it does get more mainstream you know it'll kind of diversify into more exciting things um for me um yeah i would love to kind of create like a fun brand like maybe have a warehouse where we have like 10 different rooms and in one room it's like there's an interactive comedy show in another room it's like a scary escape room in another room it's you know the start of a scavenger hunt that goes around the neighborhood and mm-hmm. m- maybe it's like a uh, a food tasting one you know like that that would be my dream is to just have like a home base that just churns out fun different ones and we have guest creators come in and make something interesting
1: yeah like Um, a like a permanent venue kind of space
2: yes yes i mean because you know uh working with venues with what i do is so tough like with mind reader we'd have to they had a much more profitable show where the actors all drank with the audience Mm -hmm. every night. So every day they, we would do this, our mind reader thing. And then we would have to tear down all the props, store them so they could do their show. And then the next morning, get there and put everything back up. And, you know, so I've, I've always just fantasized, like, what if I just had my own space that was sacred, you know? and similarly, like with scavenger hunts, you're typically, you know, running around, um, you know, a park and, you know, being asked to leave, you know, various <laughs> restaurants that you said they could get free bread from or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to give out free bread at, at my venue. <laughs> heard
0: it here first.
1: <laughs> that sounds so fun. I could totally envision that. Like having like a like a big space. There could be. It could be like a, almost like a, a bar area too, where like people just just show up like to hang out, but also have the option to like get involved in. And
0: maybe there's something that's like a clue at the bar. Like, yeah.
2: Oh, oh, Jen, absolutely. Like, yes, you're here. You, you start getting a drink and yeah, I'm going to see the six o'clock escape room or whatever. But also there's a lady in a fedora (laughs) with an umbrella standing by the doorway what could that mean <laughs> and so so that yeah that would be so flat Is like well you could do the set thing or these these emergent moments appear throughout the night
0: <laughs> now prescott who would you say should not follow a career type like this oh good
2: question. oh god yeah that's a great question i mean i think um anyone that likes um kind of consistency and um that reliability <laughs> you know like <laughs> Because it, it is just all, so all over the place. And it's asking for trouble. It's asking for the unexpected to happen. And, you know, that's draining on everyone. It's draining on the actors, you know, like it, a play is like two hours. But sometimes they're there for like three hours, but also having to truly interact with with randoms. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely not de- people that want reliability like that.
0: So no nerds.
2: <laughs> nerds. I mean, we can handle like nerds that get get out there that that want to want to really experience something. <laughs> uh, but no dorks, yeah. For sure.
0: <laughs> no dorks allowed. Uh, and Prescott, would you recommend this job to someone else? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm. I mean. N- a very specific type of person, like a high schooler being like, I wish I could make scavenger hunts yeah. for a living. I wouldn't be like, yeah, I wouldn't go up to someone who was like, oh, I lost my job. I was like, oh, you should write and produce interactive escape rooms. And they'd be like, well, I don't want to do that.
3: Because it seems like one of those jobs where like, you have to love it or you're not going to get very far.
2: Yeah. Or, or why are you doing it? There's no yeah. money in it. What what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here.
0: <laughs> so Prescott, um, we're about going to wrap with you. Is there any parting words that you have for anyone listening that's curious about this job or, you know, any, uh, major announcements you want to make?
2: Oh, you know what? If you're ever in the Boston area, go to Boda Borg. It it kind of does what I was just describing, um, but a little more automated, a little more uh, physically active, um, less story, but it's a great time, and more people should know about it. Boda Borg. B-O-D-A-B-O-R-G.
0: Boda Borg. And you are being paid a million dollars from them to say that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I... It doesn't matter Absolutely why bad. I said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you are in the L.A. area or probably other areas to come, keep a lookout for Prescott Gad experiences that will be coming. Uh, I know uh, because I live with him that there's a lot in the works. So please make sure that you are keeping your peepers out for that. Um, but otherwise, Prescott, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. That
1: was so oh, cool. Oh, thanks for
2: having me. Fun. Thank you. Let's do this again. <laughs> yes. All <laughs> right. Bye to
0: you. But hey, Brandon and Joyce, hang out.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> bye, Prescott. Thank you.
3: Bye. Thank you for coming on.
0: All right. So that is that was
1: Prescott Gad that was so cool. I'm I I was saying like I don't know about definitely, but I feel like I this I would not be very good at this job. It's so like you have to be so fucking creative and it's I, like it blows my mind how he just has these ideas and like it's so cool. I'm so impressed by people like that.
3: It's an art. It, yeah. It, it's like, so, like like I asked him like, you know, you have to be driven for this kind of stuff. You have to want this it to like make a living off of it alone
1: but it's also like like it's almost like he has like another level of perception you know what I mean like there's like Mm. like being able to see those kind of special moments and extract them from movies or like other places and be able to build it into a new experience from scratch is like whoa that's so cool to me
0: Well, I think too, it's like, it's so hard to both be creative, but also have to have that side of your brain firing. That is the business side Yeah, that's saying, okay, how, how many actors can I pay to how many audience members and what's the ticket price and what's the build for the set. And it's, I mean, it's really challenging to be able to balance that and not have that like affect the art.
1: Right. Yeah. And so that's why I was thinking about like, is there like, an investment angle here is there Mm -hmm. like a production like is there like a like a I don't know like a company angle where it's like just a consistent crew of people who have a ton of experience doing this kind of stuff because it seems so like there's this there's absolutely a ton of skills involved in this and the experience definitely contributes to that skill but also it's just like there's so many facets like it's like he's running a company and writing a like um I don't know, writing a script for like a TV show at the same time, which is like yeah. wild.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? Is if you optimize for it, you have investors in that are expecting some kind of results, then sometimes the art suffers.
1: Uh huh. That's a good and point. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, that that to me is the hardest thing about that. It's like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to do creative endeavors and whatnot, but it is, it is a huge personal risk to go down that path. And especially when it's not just, hey, I'm going to act or, hey, I'm going to uh, do comedy or something to that extent, and you get paid for being where you need to be. This is an investment. There's a risk to it, and it's it's so vulnerable on so many different levels. Um, I don't know. It's just it, it stresses me out to think about it. Frankly. <laughs> so, so I'm hearing that you would not be able to do
1: this, or you would not want to do this. Is that right?
0: Well, I I would want to partner with him to come up with something, but I wouldn't want to take on the risk of having to be the person producing it.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
3: Brandon, what about you? Um, I mean, the artistic route is so it's so challenging. You never know when you're going to get food on the table next, and it all it's all based off of you know just how you feel that day. Do you want to put something down? Do you want to create something? I feel like that's interesting enough to like get into it, but at the same time, I'm not sure if I'm driven enough to do that.
1: Yeah. It has to be like a passion. It sounds like. Exactly.
3: And if for him, like, I mean, he even told us like, this is something that he did when he was in high school.
2: And
1: that was my favorite part. That was my favorite part was that that was his, like his moment of clarity. Like in high school, he was like, I love doing this. I wish I could do this like as a job and then now he's doing it as a job and it's like ah, oh, so magical I love it
0: but like almost a decade went by with him kind of tabling that for a while
1: right mm-hmm.
0: so I think it's also a good reminder that the things that we once thought we would want to do or we might be able to do are always on the table at any point really mm-hmm. yeah I don't but- know if I
1: had that moment though did you Jen like were you ever in high school and was like Oh, my gosh. I I always wanted
0: to be an actress. Oh, okay. And I also wanted to be a psychologist, um, but I was dog shit in high school, so uh, (laughs) that didn't pan out. But I always thought customer experience was similar to psychology because you kind of had to tap into people's psyches to, like, figure out why they're so fucking pissed. Uh, but, (laughs) uh, But, no, I, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I had always grown up. I, I'm a Leo. So, of course, I wanted to be an actress. I oh went to like gosh. those John Rubber Powers like casting calls, and they're like, Yeah, we think you're good. Now, your parents need to give us $5,000 today, and we will get. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, please. Uh, <laughs> they're going to make me a star. And she's like,
3: No. You're an idiot. <laughs> Here I
0: am. 35. Well, I oh, mean- my gosh
3: it's just you know another story where it's like someone chasing their passion yeah it's it, it's Is nice that... to see that because it's, it's like it's not something that I've come across personally uh finding a passion I guess or like being able to identify that it's interesting Really,
1: I feel like I feel like I see it a lot like it's it's so oh, I don't know definitely... maybe because you're younger I don't know
3: Maybe it is. But yeah, like...
0: fucking Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You don't know anything about life. Yeah, I'm a little
3: bit too young for this. I'm, I'm just,
0: we can I'm, talk offline if out. the Gen Z bit is like not
1: setting. No, up it's with you. great.
3: It's great. I well, I think it. it's gonna
1: come up no matter what because Brandon is like the Gen Z rep here, mm-hmm. and we have to give him shit for it. <laughs> it?
3: I'm like ten years old, younger than you guys.
0: Probably, I'm
3: thirty-five. I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: You're I, I 12 mean, twelve years if, younger
1: than me.
3: Twelve, yeah.
0: So I mean, like, yeah, this is kind of like the origin story. But like, Joyce and I quit our jobs, and from the same company, and we don't know if what we want to do. And uh, and then we bring in Brandon, who's the youth. <laughs> the youth. And, and he and he, so, you know it's well, we're all a little similar, right? She. <laughs> I'm doing the thing, too, to my arm. Shee! i'm trying to be the most unlikable podcast
3: no one's gonna listen to us now but this is
0: at the end of the episode so you know if you've listened and you're like oh yeah oh fuck this uh well you're the you're the nerd and the dork uh and uh (laughs) and you're not allowed (laughs) you're not allowed and let me try to alienate you more as an audience (laughs) member also a late um uh i meant to say this at the time Late uh, spoiler alert for Minority Report. If you haven't seen Minority Report, <laughs> there are major spoilers in this episode. Um, but this uh, spoiler is coming at the end of the episode. So,
3: yeah, spoiler warning for something that we've already said. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yes, I, but... I was actually thinking about that too. I was like, eh, it's an
3: old movie. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it whatever. is relatively old. I don't understand. Like, what, like what all Gen Zers have seen Minority Report. No. I mean, I was. <laughs> we were just granted, joking gr- Granted, no no because here's the thing like there are a lot of movies that I haven't seen so I could say the same been. for
0: myself I have also not seen a lot of movies I also oh, have yeah. not seen Minority Report oh so, but you've seen Minority <laughs> Pro- Report right Brandon
3: I um I think I might have no no did you, you, know you dream it no because
1: you said you did yeah you no, did. did are you a liar yeah are all
3: gen z liars because the first (laughs) because the first time i watched it i i was in the theater and then i I had to leave or something i don't because i don't remember uh, watching the rest of it and then i came back to it later so i got the full experience but in pieces
0: so between now and our next episode, I'm really gonna want you to like dive into your experience with Minority Report because I really want to know more about you leaving the theater and then going back to it, watching it in pieces. And so next time, I think we really need to, deep dive into your experience with Minority Report. But for now, I think we uh, are going to wrap up today. So again, this is Fun Employment. Your hosts are Jen Staben, Joyce, and Brandon. And each each time we host an episode, to whatever time cadence we decide at a later date, uh, we're going to talk to different individuals with different careers because we don't know what we want to do with our lives. So we're hoping (laughs) that someone can tell us something that sounds interesting but from what I'm gathering in this episode none of us uh, none of us I think would do well in this job <laughs> but it's t- so
1: fascinating and I love right. I love hearing about it yeah. yeah that's so cool
0: well cool we'll catch you on the next episode thanks so much for joining bye bye, bye.